Yes. We were watching the openings of the Olympics, and you know this whole sport thing is all about competition and all. When you don't get it, work harder, kind of thing. It's the mm -hmm. opposite of what the teaching is, right? So how is this when you have a dream or a passion, or you know, in sports, this total I have to win, I have break my legs four times, but I still run. This kind of thing. This is all delusion, then, right? Yeah. But they achieve a lot of things mm -hmm. too. So what is that? Can you repeat her question? Yes. She was watching the Olympics and <coughs> looking at the competition and how, how people in the Olympics push themselves to incredible degrees in their competition to win the medals and to be the best, which we see happening all over the world. Yeah. We see people who are driven in some way or another to achieve and to succeed, um, and, and they very often do achieve and succeed far beyond what the average person does. And so the question is, really, um, since this is obviously related to desire and uh, and attachment to the self that seems to be in uh, conflict with the Dharma, and I agree that it is. Now, I'm trying to think of good examples, and I'm not sure, maybe something will come to me, or maybe maybe you can help me. I, I guess the question is that without the self-centered compulsion, will the human mind push itself to the same heights of achievement. And certainly when you look at these world-class athletes, you know, they have this very ego-centered, you know, need to, to be the best. I win. I get the medal. I beat somebody else's speed by so many seconds or even fractions of a second. I am the best. Mm -hmm the desire to be the best, and that propels them and motivates them. As we become awakened, we become less attached to that powerful, compelling sense of self. But as we become more awakened, the same energy that the same mental energy, or even spiritual energy, if you want to call it that, that used to be so concerned with worrying about the self, becomes available to uh, to become the driving force behind compassion and behind acts of mm -hmm. loving kindness and compassion. Um, I don't know if you can become the world's fastest skater for the sake of all other beings. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, but it's not inconceivable to me that somebody who was not attached to their own self-view but could see their body as an, uh, as an entity that might somehow serve others or serve the world through 
demonstrating what its capabilities were. I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened. I can't think of anybody. I can't think of any world-class athlete that I could point to and say, well, I think that's a good example. of." And I don't know whether it would even happen. Because it may just be that when all of that energy is diverted away from focus on the self, that it goes to uh, it goes to other ways of helping people more directly, you know, which mm-hmm. in many cases is through trying to teach the Dharma and uh, guide other people to overcome their own suffering, but can kind of, but can take many other forms as well. In some other fields, I, I can see that in fields like uh, uh, science and technology and politics and things like this, that uh, a more enlightened interest that is based in, in compassion you know, can propel a person. Uh, it seems that Martin Luther King may have been propelled by that. It seems that Nelson Mandela may have. Mm-hmm. It seems that Mahatma Gandhi was. Mm-hmm. You know, so it does seem that in other fields, and I could see that it being the case in, in medicine and in science and in technology. Um, and, and certainly those endeavors have a much greater impact on a much larger number of people so I don't, I don't really know for sure if, if we would have, if everybody was enlightened, whether we would have people that could skate as fast and ski as fast and all these other things as we do. It's an interesting question. I, don't know. I also know it wouldn't matter a lot. <laughs> the question is more behind this. Olympic is such an extreme of that, as you said. You know, it's, it's always, but what is their, their own... Uh, um, so justification is inspiration, for example. They say, if I can do this and I can, you uh, don't have to give up to the kids or whatever, the kid who, who is, is, uh, is sick or had some, some major happening. Something where they say, when you push yourself, you can get through instead of lying back and being depressed. On that level, where is that going then? When you push yourself, when, you can... Yeah, you know, this, this whole thing about pushing in this culture is about, it's also an inspiration for the young people that they can do something different than just laying back and, hey, that's it, and mm-hmm. this kind of, of opposite of that, you know, which is also not healthy. Um, it's more this, um, it cannot be an inspiration, and then it is. Mm-hmm. Of benefit for for the culture and the public and the people. Well, yes, I I would agree that yeah, that's a very good point. Sports and sports figures and, and people who are successful can be inspirations. I mean, there's great movies that have been made yeah. about mm-hmm. people that rise from the most difficult of circumstances. They have a talent and they use that talent, mm-hmm. and then they become examples for mm-hmm. others. And that pushing, though. What's that? It's that pushing. It is. That's the ego push. That's the question. Whether can you push and make things happen? And I would say we're looking at people that pushed and made things happen because of their past karma. We're not hearing any of the people that pushed and it didn't happen. Maybe pushed harder than those people that succeeded, and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So we've Mm -hmm. got it. There's a biased view Mm -hmm. already because you've seen the people who succeeded at that Mm -hmm. method. 
and the question is, did they succeed because they pushed? Mm -hmm. I'd say, no, I've pushed and not succeeded. Or where they pushed, you know, yeah. it's ego-related. Other yeah. factors, that's very mm -hmm. good, very good point, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if we only look at the ones that succeeded, we, we have no idea how many others that we're ignoring, and yeah. whether they pushed harder or less hard, or, mm. or exactly what happened, or what was the difference. Because the Dharma teaches us it's not the pushing that really, you know, there's a certain level of intention, but yeah. it's not the only factor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. But I think it, Hence it's... my meditation. <laughs> <laughs> the more I push it, my meditation, mm -hmm. the more yeah. it does, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> But I think in high-speed skating, might might be different factors operating. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, it, uh, you, you do really have to take into account a variety of factors. You know. um, and there's no question that pushing, motivated by self-attachment and craving, can take people to incredible heights. You can become... Uh, you can become uh, a ruler of half the people on the planet, and uh, you know if you're motivated enough, uh, usually means that you have to do a lot of very nasty things to get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's, I don't think it's as simple as as the pushing. The pushing is motivation, and uh, so. Motivation can have many different mm -hmm. kinds of sources. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we have to look beyond that. Mm -hmm. But if we look at what's happening with young people in this country and uh, probably a lot of other Western countries as well, is that they are inspired to push and, and strive. And the value that is that you have succeeded when the more money you make, the more you've succeeded. And they're also told that it doesn't really matter what you do to get that money, at least as long as it's not illegal and you don't end up in jail. Um, and so that's, that's not very good kind of motivation at all. Um, some young people who are taken more withdrawn, I'm, I'm not going to buy into that whole rat race theme, and uh, you know I don't believe that that's... Um, they, may be, they may be unproductive, they may seem like they're not uh, doing much with their lives, and perhaps they never will. But they still have the opportunity to uh, to gain some wisdom, to see to to further see things in a in a more wholesome way, and uh, maybe to make greater change. A lot of these inspirational examples are of people who are severely economically depressed. They belong to a minority in a bad neighborhood. Uh, raised by a single mother who maybe has to work as a prostitute to make a living, and everybody's drug dealers and drug users around them, and 
and then they rise out of it, and it's like it's really inspirational. But uh, what would be wonderful is if we could, if more of our inspiration could have less to do with the uh, really miserable circumstances that our inspirers start from, and instead the wonderful works that they do for the benefit of other beings, uh, you know, different kind of inspiration. We talk a lot about the problems of the world, and that definitely, you know, as a as somebody who inspire, aspires to a path to enlightenment, we can't afford to be blind and self-centered. We have to recognize the problems of the world that we live in. But we also have to remember to be not to be attached at all. It really doesn't matter. Not to be attached to the problems of the world? Not to be attached to what happens in the world. To do your absolute best from whatever position that you are in, that's what's important. Um, you know, to to try to change the world, save the world, or even one tiny part of it. Uh, the the secret is to do your best, but to be able to do your best without being attached to the outcome, mm-hmm. and that's a challenge because. If you become attached to the outcome, you still may do good things for the world, but you will impair your own uh, spiritual development and and your own ultimate efficacy. It's very important to remain unattached. When you get yourself all in a stew about how bad things are going, you're not doing yourself that much of a favor. At that point, you need to remind yourself that, okay, it is what it is. I'll do what I can. But, uh, you know, to become attached to things being in a particular way or not being in a particular way is only going to reinforce that part of your own mind that, you know, is, is working out of the old paradigm that I will be happy when the world suits my needs. Mm-hmm. You know how I've been working with that a lot? Like, I was so focused on my identity or trying to figure out my identity in terms of career, well, in different mm-hmm. ways, but in terms of career and right. what I like and what I want to do and what I don't like. You know, basically I was unhappy with my career. I never was happy doing, I never have liked the job really, never enjoyed what I was right. doing. And then it just feels sort of almost alchemical or magical or something because now all of a sudden I like it, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> and it just, and I didn't, I mean, I was trying to work with my mind and work work with it. But it feels almost effortless. Like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I just can't seem to muster up the dislike mm-hmm. or the dissatisfaction yeah. <laughs> that was so prevalent in my life <laughs> for so many years. Yeah. And it, the content of the job is exactly the same. It's the exact same thing, you know, which I think is totally bizarre. It's just kind of freaking me out. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like I'm ready. Like I couldn't go to a call center. I don't think and be happy. Maybe mm-hmm. I could, but I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but you're on the way. 
that's one way of seeing Dharma too. Because for so many years, I felt like I was studying and practicing, but I, I couldn't really see any progress or anything happening. But at this, I can see as a significant change because um, mm -hmm. I just can't seem to feel as upset or frustrated or mm -hmm. unhappy. You know, it's yeah. strange. Well, you, you said you used to be looking for your identity in terms of what you did. You know, and the way I like to think of this is that. And I'll ask you a question. Maybe you've discovered your secret identity, so it doesn't matter if you pretend to be mm. a humble reporter. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> now you know your secret identity. Yeah, it's it's much more about reactiveness for me now, watching mm -hmm. when I'm reactive. And seeing the whole project as um, it's teaching, so seeing the whole project mm -hmm. as just um, trying to help some people get some yeah. information. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and every single circumstance we find ourselves in, it is a, it, it's an opportunity to look and say, okay, what can I do that's beneficial here, and what can I learn from this? You know, how am I reacting? And, and yeah, the reactivity. I've so reactive my whole yeah. life. Very reactive. Yeah. Just. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's so wonderful that you are. Enjoying some of the fruits of the practice. Yeah. And there's much more to look forward to. I hope so. Yeah.